like I wanted to do something uh, like a brick and mortar and a more not in the mission, you know, not in the, the you know, Soma or something like that. More like, you know, just like an un underserved neighborhood. That was Radio Africa owner and chef, Eskinder Asiget. Welcome to Storied San Francisco. I'm your host, Jeff Hunt. In this episode, Eskinder picks up where he left off in part one. He describes his evolution from working with world-renowned chefs to starting his own underground restaurant at his home in the Mission. From there, he did a couple of pop-ups around town before landing his very own brick-and-mortar spot at 3rd and Oakdale in the Bayview. Radio Africa Kitchen is open for pickup every Tuesday between noon and 3 p.m. Please go to RadioAfricaKitchen.com for the menu and contact info. Here's Eskinder. So that's the story. It goes on. Jamaica Tower brushed it and then went to, was George uh, uh, Goldstein, um, really put all the heart and soul in me. And then the final inspiration came in, in early 2000 when I worked at the Compton Place with Daniel Um, uh, the, the famous chef now in New York. Mm -hmm. And um, with him was at, at, uh, you know, another, uh, you know, just a different level, you know, uh, completely uh, modern, you know, um, uh, fine thinking in terms of, uh, it, it, it's different. With that, I learned the, um, the idea of subtlety, uh, the idea of, um, just looking at each ingredient separately, you know, uh, the idea of actually minimalism versus mm. just uh, all kinds of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. We don't just put anything in it, you know, there, there is a reason, you know, behind it. And he was one of the, uh, the most confident and um, brilliant chefs I ever worked with. And then with that, in, in the early 2000, I started my own underground restaurant. Oh. In fact, while he was a chef, and I happened to be uh, one of his uh, good friends at the time, we used to hang out together, and used to come to my house and eat you know, my, you know, my food, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that's the birth of Radio African Kitchen okay. in, the, in uh, 2003, 2004, and then really to, uh, from 2005, uh, I think 2005 on, I went, I went um, sort of on a full time. Okay. Yeah. But it was in your home or? In my home. Okay. Yeah, that was, uh, it started in my mission. Uh, uh, we call it mission farms because we, uh, I had also um, a garden where I grew a lot of vegetables and. Uh, I love uh, it. Can, yeah. can you say where that was? Uh, it's on uh, York Street. York. Uh, yeah, York Street and um, in the mission next to Bryant. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I love that. A couple of blocks where flour and water and all that. Sure. Uh, yeah, th that area. That, back in the day, um, that area was just, there was nothing, really. Right. There was only one cafe, Atlas Cafe, and then... There Atlas, was, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So that's when I started in a, uh, 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 to do experimental food, uh, uh, purely self-taught, and um, just trying to condense and bring all the things I grew up with and then I was also traveling in the 90s I traveled to different countries you know Italy Spain Turkey 
uh, Morocco, uh, the Israel, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So trying to... All over the Mediterranean. Exactly, all yeah. over the Mediterranean. And all the, the travels I did were uh, uh, mostly food-related. Right. So I ate and talked about food um, uh, while I was there. Oh, man. I want to I hear about that trip because, or those trips because that that's, could be its own podcast. Oh, right? absolutely. I mean, each place you went is... Oh, like, absolutely. So absolutely. many stories. Wow. Absolutely. There are so many stories, so many uh, just um, small details and, you know, um, just the food, the, the, the food in, in, uh, in some of those countries, especially Turkey, uh, Israel and Morocco are just unbelievable. Yeah. I know, I know we talk about Italy, France and, uh, you know, uh, Spain, which, which are great too. But mm-hmm. these guys, I mean, you know, Turkish food and Israeli food and Moroccan food are just unbelievable would you agree food is is a big expression of, of culture oh absolutely right it, absolutely it, and it's where we all one big place we all connect absolutely in so. fact when i used to do um when i used to do the underground restaurant in um uh, in my mission home um we try to get the, the eclectic people we try to uh discourage big groups uh mm-hmm. the the most you could come is in four. Okay. We like sometimes people try to make a reservation for eight because we kind of only, in the beginning we had like fifteen to twenty-five people. Oh. Uh, and then eventually it grew to like in the thirties and the forties. Whoa. Because I have a garden, I put you know big table, you know I have a you know fire going on, that kind of stuff. Yeah. We try to. We try to have, all aspects of life. To come to that table, mm-hmm. so f- for that reason, I think we, we, we used to limit, you know, like people trying to come in a group, and then we try to also ask them what they do, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, you're a teacher, we're an artist, I'm, you know, we're lawyers, we're architects, that kind of stuff. So the more variety it is, the better it is. I think it makes the conversation really beautiful. Absolutely. And we learn from it's kind of like a small country versus sure. you know just uh, a diverse country versus. Mm-hmm just a one-dimensional uh, group of people. I noticed you were saying we with the underground underground restaurant. Yeah. Who else was involved with you? You know, that's a very good question. Um, you know, I like to say I was we. Oh, got it. Yeah. Like, you know, even though I'm the, the one who brought it up and stuff like that, I think it would not happen without the other people. Got it. So I always talked, uh, you know, we live here. I, I only live there. Yeah. <laughs> I think they call that the royal we. It, well, or something I think, like that. you know, uh, something. I think maybe it's an Ethiopian thing or something. Um, you try to avoid, I did this. Got it. You know, you know when we go to a restaurant, um, yeah, one of the things that annoys me is, I have a special for you, like, the, you know, the mm. waiter says. We, like I, you, you do have special, where is it? You know, right. kind of versus <laughs> even the chef should say we mm-hmm. did this. I think it's kind of, um, not to criticize, but um, because, because it takes, you know, a group of people to accomplish that. It's you know, more, people, uh, communal. Yeah, communal. So, mm-hmm. you know, I always say, also we work together. I remember there was a couple of people who worked Closely with me, you know, I, I, I uh, used to sort of, you know, uh, tell them or just direct them, please do not say I work for him. We right. work together, kind of. Right. So it's kind of, 
it's kind of like you know a voice that the me version of it, and then we talk about the art. I love that, that. way. Uh, people don't focus. Oh, the chef or the you know because that was also part of the the movement was trying to avoid the star out of the you know the thing. So everyone is a star there. Mm -hmm. The people who are eating. The, the you know if we have a dishwasher or the line cook it doesn't matter we did it together I do you know the same thing we do here is we don't have a dishwasher we all do the dishwasher yeah love that you know uh, we we do the cleaning so uh, in fact I like actually like you know cleaning I, I do yeah. you know in in the restaurant I love the dishwashing you know because it's you know I like I know how to you know how to organize it so but anyway to answer your question. The we yes, uh, um, if it was too specific, I am the you know I'm the solo runner. But you know, without all these people around me, it would not you know be possible. So I say we. And how how often do you were you doing these dinners? Underground. In the beginning, the first um, six uh, or maybe six, seven, eight, nine months, I believe. It was every Thursday. Got it. Because it was a bold move uh, back in the early 2004. I just told, you know, my friends and you know acquaintances. I said, "Hey, you guys. Now I've been talking about. I've been, you know, doing this, you know, occasionally here. Starting next week, there is a restaurant in my house <laughs> every Thursday, it. rain or shine. We could get two people." 20 people, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I think part of the success, in fact, you know, uh, I'm glad you asked this because part of the success was, it was the, um, the continuity without being discouraged how many people showed up or not. Mm -hmm. We just did it, you know, we, right. like, you know, uh, meaning like every Thursday, you know, um, got all the stuff, you know, uh, 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 the, you know all the vegetables some of the vegetables actually most of the vegetables were available in my garden for up to 20 30 people wow. because i was growing a lot because you know just you know big um, growing and then i would get all the you know fish or the meat so start prepping and then you know cook and we eat together and then in the beginning at the first seven eight months there was no price it was a self price to stuff nice so the whole idea was pretty organic and encouraging even though i wasn't a good cook you know like you know um because i was still learning so some of it didn't come out right you know but you know people you know it's like home cooking um so uh it was every thursday and uh, i mean i have a lot of questions that all kind of relate to the same thing um when did you have the idea to take it out of your home when did you start calling it radio calling it anything was radio africa the first name and and where did you get that name that's a lot of questions but, well, <laughs> no, but i feel like they are, they are all kind of related right it's, yeah they are, they are, when, when did it go from every thursday in your garden and just four people at your apartment to this well i want to answer the first thing first sure. uh, which is the name the name it did not have a name in the beginning because um uh, I did not know what to name it, you know, because it's kind of very, uh, I'm very finicky in terms of naming something either uh, egocentric or too simplistic or, or too flashy, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So just let it happen. I just have a restaurant, I said. And then eventually people were asking me within a few months, 
what is like what do you want to call it and then that's where uh, the term radio african kitchen came and when someone asked me uh, about uh, what my childhood was in ethiopia and then i was um i was telling a story how it was in ethiopia because it, it like i said it was a pretty um minimal entertainment there the only entertainment we had was just uh, radios or just oral story live from friends from you know uh, fathers or you know grandfathers or mothers grandmothers and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. so i remember really um uh, having that nostalgic moment of like as kids like you know from you know six seven eight all the way ten like uh, after school or after work we worked all the time so we used to get together and share uh, some snacks uh, such as roasted garbanzo beans or roasted barley uh, you know all of them of course you know homemade that day or that afternoon and uh, you know uh, sharing laughter and you know comparing you know um, each other's so that's where the name radio african uh, kitchen came in as we were doing those uh, those things we were also listening to some african radio uh, either african music or um, african uh, soccer match or something like that okay. so that's how the name came in and then and it came when you were still having the dinners in your home yeah okay because in the beginning it did not have it and then uh, eventually oh okay the radio african kitchen they can let you know that that makes sense mm -hmm. uh, um, and then um when it came out of my house was was uh, was one of the most important aspect of it uh, not just for me just for the uh, bay area chefs too mm -hmm. it, when it was becoming a little bit of uh, um popular like within i guess five six months i was worried what my you know neighbors you know because you know we're, we're trying to be sustainable because we're trying to also uh, as we were doing the restaurant we're trying to be uh, sustainable green you know uh, that sustainability implies not only the way we cook and how we get but everything else you know the ecology the people we work with the, our neighbors the people who eat it and then the waste goes out and all that stuff so uh, at the time when we have that discussion, um, most of, actually a lot of the people who came to uh, my pop, like in you know, my underground restaurant uh, was actually restaurateurs, coffee owners, you know, you know right. artists in that kind of stuff, or, you know, um, architecture, something more like the people uh, wanted to experience something. Mm -hmm. So one of the person was now, she's a good friend of mine, her name is, Meg Wiskant, she just had opened a cafe called Velo Rouge Cafe. Oh, yeah. Velo Rouge Cafe was uh, uh, Arguello Arguello. and Fulton. Yeah, mm -hmm. up, in the, uh, you know, up in the avenues kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, she, I credit Meg for the pop-up idea. She said, how about taking out of your house and then, like, you know, maybe like, can I just open a cafe? You know, she wrote me this, like, really nice... Um, uh, a postcard and then I thought she was maybe you know kind of flirting or something like <laughs> that <laughs> um, and that idea kind of like and then she followed through you know she mm -hmm. was like oh maybe that's, that is a good idea why don't we try it you know yeah so that was the first pop-up idea and from that it became really uh, well known and then immediately we add up uh, from Thursday we added Fridays too oh. so every Thursday and Friday starting I think in 2006 I believe uh, all the way 2008, something like a couple of years. 
we did it there and uh, that's how it went okay and then how did this happen oh this happened uh, uh, well the progression is after I did Velo Rouge and uh, I was growing out of Velo Rouge because Velo Rouge was a small place like you know, yeah, I hardly sat like you know we hardly sat 30 35 people it's a small place we really packed it up you know yeah so another cafe owner uh jason paul uh, when they did the, the coffee bar in the mission i don't know if you know the coffee bar like uh, uh florida and mariposa it's no longer there mm, ne- no. next to the K- kqed building right like in the mission yeah i only know the, there's a starbucks over there uh, yeah well <laughs> exactly you're right the starbucks has been there for like 25 years something like that that Since the most the out of place starbucks i've ever uh, seen but around the corner was uh, another really uh, top-notch co- uh, cafe called it opened i think in 2008 i believe uh, 2008 or something 2009 uh, while they're building it jason approached me hey and we heard about you and then by the time i think i got a, a few press here and there mm-hmm. um he asked me, like, hey, like, do, would you be willing to do a pop-up? And then again, you know, well, you know, just finish it up first. Maybe we'll discuss one of Oh, it would be finished, like, in two, three months. Okay, let's talk about it. And then before, well, I was living also, like, just within three blocks, mm-hmm. you know, Mariposa and Florida versus I'm, like, a 19th in New York. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty convenient. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, And then... I did that. That sits like up to 80 people. Oh, wow. Okay. But the problem with that was they did not have a kitchen, so I had oh. to use. So, That's but as a, an underground restaurateur, uh, one thing I learned in terms of the cooking strategy uh, was, you know, also trying to uh, 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 pass it on to other youngsters who were working with me was the idea of we're ready to do we're ready to do it as long as you know it's legit meaning there is a running water you know uh, the safety issue is thing we have you know hot plates and you know other methods of cooking you know so um i remember the first night we did there people waiting up to three four hours because we were just backed up you know because we have like you know 80 people trying to eat and just on hot plates you know but people don't understand so that's really where it took off a little bit because um because it was a bigger place we had music too yeah like djs and live music awesome and there it was kind of like a you know the the really nice um uh space and uh Mm -hmm. uh, you know energy and then and then (laughs) the story of the baby was uh, which is uh, again another lucky uh uh, natural progression Mm -hmm. and um I think in 2010, I get a call from the from the uh, mayor's office, and then say, "Hey, like you know, we heard like you know you do this underground sustainable green, like you know, kind of good thing. Do you want to open a restaurant?" Say, "Where?" I say, "Like Bayview." I say, "Absolutely," because I was actually looking at places like West Auckland, like I wanted to do something uh, like a brick and mortar. And a more, not in the mission, you know, not in the, the you know, Soma or something like that. It's more like, you know, it's just like an un- underserved neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So 
when I got that opportunity, I said, yes, absolutely, except I don't have the kind of money to open. Right. And then that's where it came in. Oh, you don't have to worry about that one because you know, apparently they were trying to attract small businesses, especially minority uh, you know, uh, uh, business people trying to entice to open on third street exactly around exactly. Mm -hmm. uh and then apparently i've heard like you know they've asked other chefs to you know uh, black chefs or something or you know uh, other minority um chefs they passed up on it but i was like just excited yeah and then we worked out the logistics you know where they build you know they build uh, the thing and then i uh, uh i fill in the blank yeah whatever and the very important blank of absolutely food. and i was so excited because you know for me that was my um preach in the beginning was like you know uh the whole idea of that radio africa you know starting for you know from the ground up was more of like trying to benefit everyone around it and uh, we did that for the most part and uh, you know it's still going for it yeah how would you describe um the food that you make i was just telling uh, Michelle on the walk over here uh -huh. um, I remembered I thought that correctly um, that you're from Ethiopia but I was describing the food to her and I was like it's not like any Ethiopian restaurant that I've ever been to there's some similarities in some dishes but how would you describe the food that's true um, I am from Ethiopia uh, but uh, the way I describe my food is um, kind of African diaspora food that's influenced by a variety of um, uh, things, uh, such as my experience living in the Bay Area and my experience traveling around the world, and then also my experience relating what I knew in Ethiopia through my travel to where we are right now. So. In other words, it's kind of the evolution. Uh, people say, like, you know, is this like, um, uh, what is that thing called uh, uh, when you mix things? Um, it was very popular in the 90s. Uh, fusion. A oh, fusion, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I would be offended. Fusion is kind of a little bit of forced idea, you know. Yeah. Like, the people, I remember back in the day, there was quite a few restaurants. Mm -hmm. You know, Italian and Thai, and it's that kind of fusion. fusion. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not really that at all. Uh, yeah. it, 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 there is, it really comes naturally in my head, and then I'm trying to translate that through food. Uh, meaning, we have plenty of uh, uh, food ideas in the Bay Area. Like, mm -hmm. You know, the produces, the grains, the fish, the meat, and it just you name it, and and what I wanted to do is, it's really Californian food, but influenced by ancient tradition or ancient uh, or other countries' methods or spices. And, mm -hmm. But the food we eat is really Californian because mm -hmm. we, I, I believe in, I've always believed in, you know, in the, uh, uh, the local movement, mm -hmm. although I don't use that term anymore because it's kind of like a little overrun <laughs> yeah uh, because i just you know um and but, it's just also common sense yeah exactly if you, if you live somewhere like we do exactly we're eating actually the same food just different flavors basically yeah. Yeah. you know uh, uh for example you know we you know most of the 
uh, produces are uh, sourced in the farmers market, mm -hmm. and you get so many ideas as I you know as I pick up. Oh, this would be good with um, preserved lemon. This would be good with uh, a touch of Burberry. This would be good uh, like with a little bit of harissa. Mm -hmm. So you just and uh, the lightness, the weather, you know, the season, you know, uh, it all determines what it goes. It's kind of being a DJ, mm -hmm. like you know, like. You can't just uh, come and play uh, the, like a, a pre-selected uh, uh, music. Mm -hmm. You come, you just see the vibe, you know, like that's the chef too. Mm -hmm. Like I look at, you know, I, I, I collect all the ingredients first and then even though the menu says this, but it kind of change, you know, the menu is kind of a guidance, kind of like we're saying, oh, this is what we're cooking, but it's not really deep down, it's different things that goes on the change that goes on because ultimately if I go to a restaurant I just want to eat delicious food I don't have like the idea of choosing is kind of like you know um, limited you know mm -hmm. like you know when we go to someone's house in Ethiopia we just have a variety of tasting menu coming out you know on a big platter we eat together mm -hmm. and uh, to me that's what I wanted to show Although in the tradition of the American tradition, we also wanted to have some kind of guidance, mm -hmm. uh, um, like in having a menu. Here's your chicken jambalaya, but the chicken jambalaya is it really made the same every day? No, it's right, not. Right. You know, we sometimes we add kale, sometimes you know, uh, uh, Swiss chard and spinach, other like uh, things like shiso, uh, sorrel, whatever we find there, and just sometimes a uh, little bit of berry. Now it's kind of like a little too intense, maybe today, like we could do harusa, maybe nothing else in there, just a little, mm -hmm. uh, you know, chili flakes and that, you know, so every day it's different. Can I ask you, um, now that you've been living and working and doing a business for 30 plus years yeah. in San Francisco, what is it that you love about San Francisco? You talked a That's little bit about it when you talked about moving here, absolutely. but now that you have that absolutely. experience. Uh, what do I love about San Francisco? That's kind of interesting um, um, question because I want to tie it to what you were saying earlier while you guys are doing this podcast, how you're trying to connect. I think it's the people, um, of course, you know, given the, you know, the, the, the weather, the geography is, but I think you could get other weather and other geography comparable to this one. But I think it's the people, the culture, the openness and the possibilities and the inspiration I get, you know, like people like you is still what's holding me like a glue to stay in San Francisco. I thought about like, you know, every few years, you know, I thought about am I missing out something, you know, like New York is, you know, was a possibility because, you know, just another dynamic city, but too big and then too hectic probably. And uh, Seattle, I thought about it, it kind of too smallish, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think the Bay Area will be, you know, when I talk about San Francisco, the Bay Area, you know, uh, including, you know, Auckland, uh, sure. uh, Berkeley and others. Um, it's the people, it's the culture, it's, it, it's the food, um, it's the art, the music that I, I still love about it. That was Iskander Azigan. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, we'll journey to the outer Richmond to meet Yuka Ioroi, 
co-owner and beverage manager at Cassava. Please join us for episode 32 next week. And don't forget to check out our small business page, up now on our website. Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. The show is hosted and produced by me. Michelle and I have produced more than 120 episodes over the last three years, and you can find them all over at our website, storiedsf.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, as well as just about everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Please subscribe to stay up to date on all the content we publish. And if you have any feedback for us, or you just want to say hi, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay safe, and stay healthy.